welcome to some more great Bible preaching from the pulpit of Capital City Baptist Church in the heart of Austin, Texas. Our prayer is that your relationship with Christ is strengthened and that you are blessed by the time you spend in the Word of God with us today. chapter 1 verse 26 Luke 1 26 and in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God into the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary and the angel came in unto her and said hail thou that art highly favored the Lord is with thee blessed art thou among women when she saw him she was troubled at his saying cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. But with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Let's pray. I'm going to ask Brother St. Pierre to lead us in prayer this morning as we come. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to preach this morning on one of the world's most famous mothers, Mary Ann. Let me just say this. Uh, Mary, uh, the Scripture calls her blessed among women. She was not blessed above women. She's not someone that should be prayed to nor adored, but I do believe she is a good Bible example of motherhood, and uh, I want to say as we begin this morning, I am thankful for my mother. She's not here this morning. Uh, she's with one of her other sons, uh, probably her preferred son. That's okay. No hard feelings there, no root of bitterness deep inside. Uh, I thank God for a spiritual mother, for a patient mother. Uh, if you asked her, she had seven, seven children. If you asked her today if she had it all to do over again, if she'd have seven more, she would probably say, just not the same seven. <laughs> she'd probably keep one of them, amen? I'm just not going to tell you which one. Uh, I don't need any comments from the crowd this morning. You know the amazing thing about mothers, uh, they're all unique, but they share uh, so many common traits and a common language. Uh, how many of you know that all mothers speak the same language? A few of you. Does this sound familiar? Don't be smart with me, son. Just wait till your dad gets home. If you break a leg, don't come running to me. You, son, are going to have fun. Where's my change? That is the last time I'm going to repeat myself. Have you ever heard any of those phrases? Yeah, they all speak the same language. I thank God for a good mother. I thank God for a saved mother. I thank God for my mother-in-law. 
Now, I know in life we can't pick uh, our mothers, uh, but I'm thankful that God picked mine. I have a wonderful mother who's been a wonderful Christian. And, uh, but, you know, you do pick your mother-in-laws. It's kind of a package deal. How many of you ever realized that? Uh, the wife comes with a mother, and I've told a few mother-in-law jokes in my life. They're just hard to tell because I do have a great mother-in-law who's never, ever given me a bit of problems. Amen? Part of that was I lived in Argentina and Mexico for so many years that <laughs> it was actually easy to survive the first 15. But uh, my mother, uh, basically ever since I knew her, she was saved. And uh, she was raised in a Methodist home and uh, thought the salvation was by works. She thought simply by being uh, moral that she'd earn her way into heaven. And uh, some people, while we lived in Durango, Colorado, some people from Calvary Baptist Church began going by her place of work and witnessing to her. Now the problem was works were so ingrained in her that no matter what they said, she simply was convinced she was okay uh, she didn't need any help. She didn't have to trust Christ as her personal Savior because she already believed in God. She was doing right. Uh, uh, she wasn't a bad person. and uh, But she did start visiting the church. And one Sunday morning, the light switch was flipped on. She understood the gospel, the gospel that had been so clearly presented to her so many times. But simply, she did not comprehend the simplicity of it. She knew that salvation at that moment, she realized for the first time salvation was by grace, through faith, not of works. And she understood that on the way into church and she sat through that service. She told me she was sitting on the front row under Holy Spirit conviction. And folks, when you get saved, most of you in here know most of you are saved. You remember that day sitting under the Holy Spirit conviction and the turmoil and the knot in your stomach, you knew uh, that uh, at that moment, if you were to die, you would have split hell wide open. You knew you needed a Savior. You knew you had to put your faith and trust in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That day she raised her hand. She went uh, aside the room. Once again, they opened up a Bible, took her through the Romans road and showed her and explained to her, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And that day she got down on her knees and put her faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. At the age of 25, her life changed. In all of my life, I've been born and raised in a Christian home. Amen? All of my early memories are in the house of God and centered around the house of God. I can't even imagine what it'd be like growing up in an unsaved home. I've never seen my mom or dad drink a beer, smoke a cigarette, Cuss? Never heard them cuss, not one time. I've seen their eyes like something strange was going through their head. For the first eight years of life, I thought my name was Good Night. Good Night, come here! I just took it for granted that was my first name in the middle. But I know this, every single day of my life, I would wake up and watch my mother with her Bible open, already up already in the Word of God. There's no woman on the planet that scared me like my mother. You say, did she carry a big stick? No, that's not what scared me. Her prayer life scared me to death. 
I knew she walked with God. I knew that she knew me because she walked with God. And I knew there was little I could get away with because of her walk with God. And that scared me. And when she prayed, when she prayed for us, I think she was actually preaching to us. But it got our attention. And this morning, if you have a saved mother, that's even more reason to be thankful. If you're raised in a godly home with godly principles, I'm thankful that I had a mother who was focused on rearing her children. And all her teaching started right at the rear. Amen. I think that's why they called it rearing. <laughs> she wasn't concerned about making money. Uh, uh, she was concerned about us eating our broccoli, reading our Bible, going to church, doing right. And uh, I, I'm thankful that I didn't have a mother that was distracted by a million other things. She was busy. All mothers are busy. Amen? Uh, I'm thankful for a mother that tried to establish in us character at a young... She tried. Let me, let me restate that she tried to establish in us character at an early age. I'm thankful for a mother that understood the need... Uh, not just for Bible principles in the home, but also in, in, a, in a Christian environment. And she placed us, every single one of us went through a Christian school. Every single one of us uh, went to church every single time the, the doors were open. And around here, that's just about every single day of the week, every single week of the year, uh, every single month. Amen? And there was no doubt in my mind, listen, I didn't have to worry about my mother's spirituality I didn't have to wonder about whether or not my mother had prayed today or read her Bible today or if she was walking with God today or if she was concerned about Bible principle today. I knew where she was going to be today and tomorrow and the next day, and I've never, ever concerned about her straying. She's not had a life free of problems, but she's been determined from day one, and doing right was never an issue. And I think that's why God picked Mary to be the mother of Jesus. You see that same dogged determination, that same commitment to doing right. And if you take a look at Mary's song in Luke chapter one, um, in verse forty, excuse me, Luke chapter two, verse forty-nine. No, I was right. Luke one forty-nine. Uh, For he that is mighty hath done to me great things. And holy is his name, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in his imagination, in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. He has hope in his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake our fathers, Abraham, to his seed forever. Uh, folks, let me, let me tell you why this woman was seen. She knew Scripture. She knew God. She knew Bible prophecy. She knew of the coming Messiah. Now, can you, can you imagine having an experience like she had where an angel shows up and tells you, you are with child. Well, I've never known a man. You are with child. That would blow your mind if you hadn't read the Bible, read the Scripture, knew the Bible prophecy, and understood that God was true and faithful and would keep His Word, 
and she was a good Christian. And she knew this book. It scares me today to think about how few mothers actually know this book. It scares me to think how few mothers in today's Christianity actually walk with God on a daily basis, pray, read their Bibles, teach their children the Word of God. I remember many times Dad was gone, Dad was busy, Dad was out of town. Never failed that Mom was there to have devotions. Sometimes those lasted an hour and a half. Folks, I'm not kidding I've got brothers in here that could testify. Jeremy lived with us for a while. My, you, thought, you thought my dad was long-winded. You should hear Miss Lewis and Miss Thompson. They could give you a Baptist beatdown, amen? <laughs> Theology. Uh, they, they would take you from Genesis to Revelation in any given morning devotion. There's no doubt in our minds that nowadays uh, the average mother doesn't even read enough Bible to do a daily devotion. And I thank God for that kind of spirituality, that same kind of spiritual desire, uh, spiritual determinations found uh, here in the life of Mary. And look at, here's what I like, verse 38. When she's confronted uh, by this angel, she's told uh, that she's with child and that she's going to have the Messiah. Look what she says. Behold, now this is an amazing story because you've got to understand, this is a simple handmaiden with no special... Uh, ability that would qualify her to be the mother of the very Son of God. She comes from a town with a bad reputation, Nazareth, and when he comes and says, you're the chosen one uh, to be the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ, look what she says, be it unto me according to thy word. Thank God for women that are submitted to the word of of God. We have a generation of women that has a hard time with that word. And it all starts right here. Starts with submission to the word of God. And when the angel came and said, listen, this is God's plan. This is God's will. This is what's going to happen. You're going to be with child. Now, you've got to understand the day and age she lived in. This wasn't 2011. There was a stigma attached. There was a problem. Uh, she not just the town that she was from, but the very fact that she's with child and does not have a husband, simply has a boyfriend, that is a complicated situation that's going to hurt her reputation. And just submitting to that, knowing people are going to look at me differently, people are going to treat me differently. I'm already in a bad spot, but now those that thought lowly of me, they're going to think less of me because how in the world do I explain this to anyone at any time and make it sound reasonable, logical? Oh, you were chosen? You were chosen to be the mother of the Messiah? Right, Mary? You are pregnant and unmarried? That came with a very serious punishment. And she didn't haggle, she didn't argue, she didn't fuss, she didn't say, well, let me go into hiding for a few months. She didn't say, well, what miracle are you going to do on my behalf to restore my reputation? She simply said, whatever your word says is fine. I submit, I accept it. Well, we need some more Christians, Christian mothers with that philosophy 
with that spirit, with that attitude. Look what it says in verse 46 and verse 48. I thank God for a mother that believed in motherhood. Amen? Boy, how this generation has changed the philosophy and thinking when it comes to motherhood. Nothing is more rejected, the idea that you can be a stay-at-home mom and focus on your children, your family, your husband. That is not something that our society likes or promotes in this day and age. And let me just say this, folks. If you study your Bibles and you look out across this world and across Christianity, and Paul, when he looked at Timothy, he was saying, hey, hey, I see a faith in you, an unfeigned faith. But that didn't start with you. That started with your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And, and we see that faith in Timothy that was ingrained in him through mom and grandma. And every single mother in here ought to be doing the same, ought to be saying, I've got a great privilege, a great responsibility. Look what Mary thought about motherhood. Look what it says in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the low estate of his handmaid. She wasn't depressed. She wasn't saying, Oh my goodness, I don't have a job. I'm not married. What am I going to do? I have a child coming. Goodness gracious, I have all these responsibilities dumped on my plate. I'm going to have to put my career on hold. Ladies, your number one job, your number one responsibility is your family. God places high emphasis. Look in Titus. These are scriptures we've stopped reading even among the independent Baptist movement. We are so caught up in materialism. Our mindset is so... Uh, set by this world and the need to have more and the determination to accumulate things that the only way we can survive is if daddy's working and mama's working and that means the kids are going to have to make do with whatever little time is left over. You say, are you against mothers working? No, I'm against kids being neglected in Bible instruction, proper rearing. You're, you have one opportunity, and that opportunity is going to last about 18 years. Here's the problem. There's so many that fell in the first 18 years, and then they want to try to recover when the child is 20 or 22 or 25, and that child doesn't want it anymore. I wanted you to be my mother when I was young. Amen. You can say amen this morning. I know I'm not fighting you. I'm fighting a cultural philosophy ingrained even in Christians by this world, TV and radio, and we're bombarded by this philosophy of uh, don't worry about your children. Just accumulate whatever you can get. You need to worry about a bigger house, nicer furniture, and more things. So go to work. You can't make ends meet. You know, the problem is we're tired of living simply. So we sacrifice our children for things. This, You know, 15 years ago, this wouldn't have made the average Baptist crowd quiet. Now it's frustrating, depressing, aggravating, disturbing. 
that the preacher would talk about a mother actually being focused on her children. Boy, that's a strange principle, isn't it? It's called a Bible principle. Look what it says in Titus 2, 3. That the aged women also likewise, that they be in behaviors becometh holiness. That's a pretty good motto. Let me repeat that. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behaviors becometh holy. Now, that's for all women. But he's saying that the aged women be the example in the area of holiness. Verse 4, that they may teach the young women. You know what? Those of you that are aged and you've uh, been in church for a while and you're grown as a Christian, did you know it is your duty and your job? Did you know it's not my job to run around and correct the dress and the attire and the attitude and the submission with those that are younger in the faith and our younger women? It ought to be the aged women that are teaching by example and instruction in these areas. Teaching them, helping them in rearing their children, loving their husbands. Look what it says. They may teach the young women to be sober to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet. Boy, that's not something being taught. Chaste. That's the opposite of sensual. You know what our churches are full of? Independent Baptist churches, 2011. Now, if our young Christian ladies are being sensual in the house of God, what is happening on Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday? Outside of the house of God. Say, Pastor, this is Mother's Day. That's why we're touching the subject, amen? To be keepers. Oh, wow. Look look, Look what Paul wrote under the leadership of the Holy Spirit that the older women are supposed to teach the younger women to be keepers at home. Pastor, what about a career? What in the world are you doing to that child if he is, did you know the most important years of his life are from 1 to 18? But when that child is six months old, by the time he's six months old, he's being dropped off at a daycare center. Someone else, here's, here's what's amazing. Did we allow people who aren't even saved, born again, or don't even share the same Bible principles to rear our children for us? From the time they're six months old, two years old, And the average mother has been so busy during the day, she comes home, she has no time for instruction. That child needs you. He doesn't need newer furniture. He doesn't ride around. He doesn't need to... Listen, your four-year-old is not concerned about how elegant or exquisite his car seat is. He would rather eat simple fried chicken the mama made then a meal that's put in a microwave. Mom says, I'm going to watch some TV and go to bed. I'm tired. Fix something. Put in some popcorn. Our children know more about the menus at McDonald's and Wendy's. I'm not against Wendy, but she should not be the mother of your child. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Folks, we... We've come to the place where we've adapted to the world's philosophy and the world's teaching and motherhood is laughed at and mocked and scorned in something that's a relic of the past. And kids are raising themselves. And now brothers and sisters that are 12 and 13 have to play the role of mama and daddy. 
We wonder why our homes are messed up. And our kids are uninstructed. How many times I hear, well, kids just don't have manners today. Well, who is supposed to teach them manners? Mom's not home. Dad's not home. And they don't teach manners at restaurants. How do you teach manners to your children when the only time they sit down in the E is in the back of a car? They don't know how to cut meat because they get it on a bun. Amen. You can go ahead and shake your head this morning. You say, you sound like a male chauvinist to me. You sound to me like I'm biblical, believing in the biblical teaching found in Titus. That's in your Bible, right? The Holy Spirit did write that, amen? I'm telling you, mothers nowadays uh, have a million duties. Their jobs are more uh, than they've ever been. How can a mother be a mother and work an additional 40 hours a week? I thought motherhood was a full-time job. How many of you watching your mothers thought motherhood was a full-time job? How many thought, oh, man, she has so much extra time? Cannot believe. What in the world is she doing with her day? Amen? I thank God for a mom that had seven kids. Not that I want seven. My wife and I have uh, had our moments. She wanted five, which she was constantly changing, you know, six and eight, five, four, uh, depending on the day of the week. Uh, but uh, her model, basically, that remained constant was always this, one more. And as she was born with severe heart problems and had surgeries and doctors told us she's always going to be a little strange, that's not correctable, and it wasn't. And uh, he said, your daughter's going to be born with Down syndrome. And I said, what's that? And he said, it'll get you down, but she'll probably have some mental problems. And sure enough, he was right. She was born with some <laughs> severe mental problems. But I still thank God for her, amen? I love her despite her mental problems. Uh, and Chris had a minor heart issue, and he said, you know, if you had one child with a heart uh, condition, it would just... It'd be, he said, the bad luck of the draw. But he said, you have two, then you, you've got a genetic problem, and I'd be careful. And we, we had Brittany, and she had the same mental problems, just not the same heart condition. <laughs> so after I saw that I had three retarded children, I stopped. One of the worst nights I ever had preaching out. Now, you want to talk about shutting down the Holy Spirit. If you've ever been to Brother Camillary's, they believe in having children, you... Walk in, and every pew is an entire family. And uh, I wish this church had the philosophy, amen? We can do some church building, Brother Ernest, if you'd get busy and have eight more kids. Uh, I'm still praying that Brother Mike obeys the Spirit of God and fills up the pew. Nate, you got a ways to go. That's your father-in-law. You better listen to his preaching, amen? And I remember I... I went up there, we had three kids, and people began to ask me what our plans were, and if, you know, we plan on having eight or ten, and uh, I made this horrible mistake. I stood up and preached that night, and I said, uh, uh, I have three kids. You want to know why I have three kids? And they all looked in anticipation, I said, that's because I don't want four. <laughs> that didn't really go over well, but they don't have to raise mine, so that's okay. Mothers ought to love the thought of, Rearing children, the gift that God has given them, 
changing the world through their children. Never talk to teachers, whether it's public school or Christian school, about the difficulties in the classroom. You'll find in this day and age, because mothers are not at home instructing their children, children don't even know how to write, don't know how to sit up, don't know how to respect authority, don't know how to respond correctly. And the problem is you can't teach that in 30 minutes a day. You've actually got to be around that child. You actually have to see that child in different conditions. You actually have to spend time with him hours and hours at a time. And that's just not happening. I thank God for a mom that did her best to protect me from evil. I didn't always appreciate it when I was young. You look at Mary and uh, from the very birth of Christ, uh, when Herod determined to kill all the babies, two years and younger, and they had to flee to Egypt. She was determined to protect the Lord Jesus Christ from the right thing, from the wrong thing. And you know what we have in motherhood today? We have mothers protecting their children from people that aren't even the enemy and not guarding them from evil. We have mothers that allow their children unguarded access to the Internet, cell phones, ungodly friendships, but are concerned about Sunday school teachers. Now explain that to me. Well, they, they, they don't understand my child is super bright, really intelligent, very gifted child. Yeah, your child is gifted, just like your husband is gifted in a strange way. And we have mothers more concerned about those who are friends. You, you know, it's amazing that I have mothers that are upset when another adult or someone in authority corrects their child and says, hey, I caught your child doing something he shouldn't do, you should applaud and praise and thank that person and say, thank you for helping me protect my child from evil. But no, who are you to judge my child? I, Pastor Trust, have raised my children. I'm trusting my 15-year-old with a cell phone. You have rocks in your head. Because your child has a human nature. Do you know with the touch of a button, this day and age, they have access to pornography? Touch of a button. Well, you know, my kid doesn't need passwords because uh, basically, you know, I've trained him to do right, stand on principle. You know how many times I've dealt with those kids in my office? You know how many times I've dealt with those parents crying? Kids that are trapped and addicted? If we have adults getting into adultery because of Facebook, what in the world is a child unrestricted, unrestrained, with a mother who's unconcerned about protecting their child from the wrong thing? Folks, you're scaring me this morning. This kind of preaching shouldn't make you go cross-eyed. Here was a mother with discernment. Look what it says in verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 17, talking about the announcement of the birth of the Messiah, and and, uh, the angel comes uh, not only to the shepherds, but also to Simeon and Anna and others, and reveals that this is the Messiah that's going to be born. Verse 17, when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. So the shepherds are going out there and blazing abroad the good news of the birth of the Messiah, the shepherds 
uh, return rejoicing, glorifying, praising God. So they're all excited about it. Look what Mary does in verse 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. You know what, a, you know what she did as a mother? She's very discerning. And she said, I'm not going to run around and talk about this child being the Messiah. It's probably not healthy for our family. It's probably not healthy for my child. Can you imagine the bad circumstance she could have put him in? Very discerning. She said, I'm going to have to think about this and pray about this and get some Holy Spirit guidance on this. But I don't think... You, you, it's amazing. Today, you, you watch parents, you know, that the, the kid can ride a bike at, at seven years old, and they're, oh, my God, he's going to be the athlete of the year in 2015. You know, he counts to three by the time he's three, and the parent's like, oh, he's a very special, special child. Yeah, that's what we call him around here, too. <laughs> you know, I... He was potty trained at 18 months. And I'm supposed to jump up and down and shoot sparks out of my ears. Folks, that's, just because I'm a preacher, I can't put on my best face because your 18-month-year-old is 18-month-year-old. Is 18-month-old child is superior to someone who's 19 months and still don't know how to use a bathroom. But here's what Mary was doing. Mary was discreetly with discernment, with wisdom, watching this child and saying, God, if you're allowing me to raise your very son, I'm going to be very cautious, be very careful. I want to be wise. I want to be discerning. I want to do this right. And obviously, she was very good at what she did because down the road, eh, you know the book of Jude? That was one of her boys. You remember James? That was one of her boys. She obviously was very wise and very discerning, very spirit-filled and spirit-led. Amen? Look in John chapter 19. John chapter 19. I thank God for a loving mother. How many of you had a loving mother? Amazing everything mothers have to put up with. You ever thought about all the things that mothers have endured? How many times you look cross-eyed at a meal and she still made you another? How many times she washed your dirty laundry, picked up after you, cleaned your plates, forks, and knives, vacuumed your room, ironed your... What if she had a dollar for every piece of clothing she ironed while you lived under her roof? And the amazing thing is, the majority of the time she did it with a smile. And the amazing thing is, how many times she had to correct you for the same thing and still loved you? Truly, deeply loved you. When no one else, not even your own father, was willing to claim you. She would say, that's my child. She would pick you up out of the nursery after you screamed and fussed and whined. She would wake up five or six or seven times a night for months, miss sleep, endure the days and the nights, and still say, ain't my baby cute? That is a mother. Look what it says in John chapter 19, verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary and Mary Magdalene. Now you say, well, you know, Pastor, I think it is probably pretty easy to love Jesus. I think you're missing the point. I think it was easy to love Jesus, but it wasn't easy loving Jesus. 
Because if you understand his life and all the circumstances involved in his life. Some of you are looking at me a little, little crazy. Let, let me explain to you. Go back to Mark chapter 3, verse 6. Mark 3, 6. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him. How they might destroy it. Now, folks, you've got to understand, he was just, he hadn't even chosen the twelve disciples yet. He was just getting out. He was just starting his ministry. And all of a sudden, she's looking at these people with hatred and venom and desirous of killing him and these false accusations and words going around and people are doubting. Now, as a mother, that's disturbing. It was tough looking at your son, knowing he's the very son of God, and watching people immediately right off the bat reject him, not just to the point of shutting a door in his face, but actually scheming to have him killed. That's a tough position to be in. Look, look at Luke chapter 2, verse 42. Luke two forty-two, And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the peace. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind Jerusalem. Joseph and his mother knew not of it, but they, supposing to have been in the company, went a day's journey. They sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not... They turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. It came to pass that after three days they found him. And they went up to... Now, you got to understand, okay? They're, they traveled to Jerusalem in a big crowd. How many kinsmen were with them? We don't know. Maybe there were 25. If she lost her son, I'd say there's probably at least 50. Mothers usually don't. One time we left Ben in the mall around Christmas. Ben said he was going to go find Dad, and he, he walked away, and we just took it for granted. He found Dad, and he didn't found dad, find Dad. So uh, we went home, and everyone was talking about wrapping the presents. We looked around and said, hey, praise the Lord. <laughs> Down to six. Good day. Merry Christmas to the whole Thompson family. <laughs> Regrettably, he was located. Folks, she... Couldn't find him. I, I can't. Now, my mom acted desperate. The rest of the family wasn't very desperate. Would you guys run around and check? Yeah, mom, we'll hustle. Three days looking for this boy. And when she finds him, he says, Mom, what was the panic about? You should know. I'm going to be at the temple. You understand what I'm trying to say this morning? Yes, he was easy to love. But loving as a mother is not always easy. There were times I knew my mother loved me, but it just wasn't showing on her face. Uh, there was a time in the school when I convinced my science project failed, and I convinced the others to climb up on the second story of the roof. We put up a ladder, we climbed up top, and I, I got the whole class to throw off the science project off the roof. And then when Brother Smith, who was the principal at the time, decided to come up and get us, we had taken up a large garbage can, and put a hose up there and filled it up with water. And we waited until he was about halfway up the ladder. We baptized him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then we pulled the ladder on the roof. When my mother saw me, I knew deep down inside she loved me. It's just that day was really deep. It wasn't the really visible kind of deep. Some of you know what I'm talking about. As a mother, it's not always easy in the things they do, in the way they behave, and uh, uh, the consequences they bring, in the reputation. You know, the, Tom, the, the Thompson name was hurt repeatedly 
by the other six. And I had to restore that <laughs> on a regular basis. It was tough. As young men, it's tough trying to carry the reputation of an entire family on your shoulders. But by the grace of God, I did it repeatedly. <laughs> she wants her Mother's Day steak and lobster tail. Turn to John 7. John 7. After these things, verse 1, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry because the Jews sought to kill him. This is what Mary's dealing with. Now the Jews' feast of the tabernacle was at hand. His brethren therefore said to him, Depart hence and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou do. Now look how his own brothers are treating him. His own brothers don't believe, and they're saying, um, Jesus, you know what? Um, and they're looking to kill you. Why? You know, de depart. Now, that's a nice Bible term. Basically, they're like, hey, Bob, now's a good time to leave. Uh, you have some disciples? Go show them your works to them. For there is no man that doth anything in secret, and himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. That's not very thoughtful. That's usually how brothers talk. Amen. For neither did his brethren believe in him. We're talking about the difficulty of a mother at times, dealing with situations, loving her children. Some of you mothers have endured uh, the, the, the suffering, and, and you shed tears at night, and you pray for your child. You have a wayward child. Maybe you have a sick child. I sat in the hospital with my wife, and... I know the hardship and I know the suffering. You're sitting there knowing your child is passing through the valley of death. But the weight of that on a mother's shoulder and a mother's heart. And if, if imagine for a minute, I, I think we miss sometimes part of Mary's life. Think she knew. Now she, she understood something the disciples didn't understand because Christ talked about his his. He foretold his death and his burial and his resurrection, but they didn't really comprehend it. But Mary did. That's why Mary was at the cross. Think about this for a minute. She knew the Old Testament sacrifices were symbolic of Jesus Christ and his death and his shed blood. Imagine how it wrenched her heart and split it in two. Every time she went... Going to the temple was not a pleasant thing for her because every time she saw an animal sacrifice, she knew that was her son. That was his death. Do you understand? Every time that a priest would stand up and read Isaiah 53, I can't imagine the anguish and the grief knowing this is my child that must suffer that. And she loved him. And then came Calvary where she had to watch her son. I can't imagine how that ripped her heart in two. I thank God for a mother that's loved me through every moment of life, concerned about me, and in your heart of hearts, you know there's one person in life who always loved you, and it's not Dad. Dad will put a $50 bill in your wallet and say, Son, good luck. I hope you survive. And mom will say, that's my baby. Give him the credit card. <laughs> You're kicking him out of the house? Yes, he's only 26. <laughs> and then she'll call him every day and invite him over for dinner. 
He's getting thinner. That's what single men do. That's why they need to get a good job and get married. I think God for mother is concerned about my future, concerned about my destiny. Years ago, I sat in a Baptist church. I heard the gospel preached. The Holy Spirit convicted me of my sin. I knew my condition as a lost sinner. I wanted to be saved. I spoke to my dad. I remember that night when I went home and my mom and dad sat down with me. And once again, dad was methodical. Mom was emotional. How many of you remember the emotion on your mom's face when she talked to you about salvation? That deep-rooted dad was a preacher. Dad say, son, you need to get saved. But with mom, it's totally different. The thought, there is no greater picture that can be drawn than a family going up in the rapture. There's no worse picture that could be drawn than a family together burning in the lake of fire. And a mother knows that. And as a mother, you ought to be concerned about the salvation of your children, saying everything that I do in life is, first of all, going to be about their salvation. And then after they get saved, it's about them loving God, living for God, doing right. That's my goal. That's my priority. And if we have to do it in a smaller house with less furniture and things that aren't quite as nice and drive an older vehicle, it's worth the sacrifice knowing that I invested in them 18 years. I gave them the best of my time, the best of my ability because you don't want to look back once they leave, once they graduate, once they're done and say, I didn't have time as a mother. God's given you a special privilege. Don't waste it. Father, we thank you this morning for every single mother that's here, for their sacrifice, their love, their dedication, their faithfulness, their commitment. We certainly hope that you've enjoyed this message today, but more importantly, we hope that the Lord has challenged you in some way to grow in your Christian life. For more information about our church, including directions and times of services, please visit our website at www.capitalcitybaptist.org.